0: Rethinking reality. Rethinking reality. Hello, my name is Erica Heidewald, and welcome back to Rethinking Reality. This is episode six. It has been four months since our last episode, and I apologize for that. I have some good news, though. I legitimately can start making these again. Um, My biggest hurdle was that they took me so unbelievably long to edit, like 20 hours, Uh, mostly because, you know, in a back and forth conversation, there aren't that many pauses unless it's a bad conversation. But when it's just me talking, it is absolutely impossible for me to talk for an hour straight without like long pauses to collect my thoughts. And those just take so freaking long to edit out. But I found a website that will do it for me. So we're trying that. And yeah, so if there's like awkward editing, ignore it. I do want to say thank you to everybody who sent me those nice DMs and emails, you know, saying that you like the podcast and asking when it was going to come back. I do really appreciate that. And, you know, we'd sort of been on a thematic build um, topic-wise, and we will get back to that. But we're going to do something a little different today in honor, um, and I say that facetiously, of Autism Awareness Month. Yes, it is Autism Awareness Month. So we're going to narrow our focus today and look at one subject and what that can tell us about the nature of our reality and our need to rethink what we have been told. Even if you don't think you have any interest in autism, you have no connection to the topic, I promise you, you will find this interesting. Basically, in short, autism is a conspiracy theory. It does not exist. <laughs> it does not exist the way we have been told that it exists. The thing that we think of when we hear the word autism, when we have just learned about it from society, that does not exist. It is not real. (laughs) Are autistic people real? Yes. I'm one of them. But it took me a really long time to figure that out because I also believed in the myth. The thing that does not exist. The thing that is actually a complete scam The thing that we all believe is real of this medical idea of autism was created as a money-making scam. And the logic behind it is actually so flimsy that when you start to look at it and actually think critically about what we're told that this means, it's embarrassing to know that you believed it. You know, like... (laughs) I I can't believe that I never, you know, thought a little more critically about it and realized, hey, that actually does not make any fucking sense. I want to talk about this today in part, well, because it's an interesting topic, in part because it is Autism Awareness Month, which is a decades-long propaganda program that has never made anyone aware or educated. Um, you know, so let's fix that right now, just us. And when I realized that I had been lied to and manipulated by society to believe in this thing this way, this was one of the first things that really made me start questioning the nature of my reality and made me realize that things I took for granted as real, often did not have any factual basis. And so I hope that uh, you can have that same experience right now. So when we say autism, what comes to your mind? What is your understanding of the concept? Mine was um, people who have yeah, this, a certain um, disorder that affects their social skills means that they can't pick up on social cues um but they love math and science and you know computers and stuff like that and um (laughs) you know uh so and some of them you know can't talk i didn't really i don't know that i knew that honestly or thought very much about it but i know that that is um One of the main things most people think of when they think of autism. And then what else is it? It is this incredibly difficult thing that families and parents have to deal with, right? We see all the time (laughs) these beleaguered autism moms just talking about how fucking hard it is for them that their kid won't make eye contact with them and likes to play with Legos by organizing them by color instead of turning them into a fucking car or spaceship or something. And that's really sad, I guess. (sighs) I started thinking about autism a lot about a year and a half ago because one day I realized um, after many, many years of observing how other people communicated, I suddenly picked up on the pattern of what other people's thought process was. And I suddenly recognized how most people's brains worked, how they were processing their thoughts. Um, And I can go into this more in another episode if you guys are interested. And in that moment, I realized There is a very different way of thinking. It is the normal way. It is not at all how I think. So what am I? (laughs) What does that mean about me? And the other option basically is then you're autistic. But that didn't make sense to me either because I didn't fit that description. You know, I, I looked at the CDC website, which we would assume is just unbiased to uh, disease information, right? And reading these these symptoms, these signs too much it doesn't describe me. That can't be me, right? Because I have good social skills. I enjoy socializing. Um I do not prefer math and science and technology. I can pick up on social cues. I don't mind eye contact. I don't have a problem with eye contact. You know, so this can't be me either. And yet, I know I'm not the normal thing. And, you know, normal, whatever. That's put quotes around it in your mind. So I kept looking into it. Kept thinking through it. Examining it. And eventually I realized something. It doesn't make any fucking sense that there would be a disorder that makes people love math and science like that just means all the other autistic people who like other things besides math and science just haven't been noticed as autistic there's just other ways to be a fucking human being and i realized then oh okay my social skills sure maybe they're good I learned them. I learned all of those things. And in fact, I suddenly recognized, oh, my mom spent a lot of time explaining these things to me, teaching these things to me. And I thought that's how everybody learns how to interact with other people. But it's not. <laughs> it's not. Other people don't need it to be explained to them <laughs> Uh, I mean, this makes me sound terrible, but the the big moment that I realized um, was when I was about 17, I just <laughs> didn't care if I hurt someone's feelings if their feeling wasn't rational. If it didn't make sense for them to have that feeling, then I did not understand how to care about it, you know? (laughs) So I wasn't like ever tiptoeing around people's feelings if I thought their feeling didn't make sense. And my mom spent a lot of time talking to me about the value of being kind over being right. And that it really didn't matter if I understood why somebody had a certain feeling or if their feeling was irrational it just still was better to be nice and and consider their feeling anyway. And, you know, she talked to me about that so much that I would say I am a pretty considerate person now, but I can't honestly say, oh, that is a normal way that kids have to learn their social skills. It's not. I know it's not. And that made me realize that all... My social skills, everything I know about interacting with other people, because I'm very good at picking up on, uh, well, a lot of cues. If they are genuine emotions people are experiencing, then I will notice them. And all that stuff I learned because I cared about it because I wanted to. And I realized that uh, that meant any autistic person could learn what I learned if they wanted to. But a lot of people don't want to because they have other fucking interests. Like my best friend's brother is autistic and he's much more of the stereotype. You know, he was um, diagnosed either as a kid or teenager. And he can build a computer just like by himself. I can't do that because it's not interesting enough to me to spend the time to learn how to do it. But if it was that interesting to me, then, yes, I also could learn how to build a computer. And if he was that interested in, like, (laughs) fitting in with the cheerleaders and, you know, making friends, then he would have done that, too. But that was my interest. And I figured this out within about, like, two days of my emotional and mental struggle, (laughs) you know, about if I was autistic. and. Then I realized it is unbelievably ridiculous that I figured that out in two days and professionals who have devoted their entire lives to researching autism, fucking writing about it, pretending to be the experts on it, they haven't figured that part out. They think the math ones are all there are. Like, I figured that out in two days you should know that. The other thing I didn't understand at first, how I could be the same as other autistic people is, you know, people who are non-speaking. Because obviously, I am pretty speaking. I'd be speaking a lot. <laughs> I regret saying that. Anyways, but I'm not editing this podcast, so it is just gonna be what it is. Um, I didn't get, you know, how am I the same then? How is my brain the same? And then I learned that um, the reason that non-speaking autistic people are non-speaking is not because they just like don't have anything to say. It's not because they have some fundamentally different brain that just doesn't give a shit about communication. There are actually completely separate other physiological conditions that stop people from being able to speak. The two major ones are dyspraxia and apraxia. Dyspraxia, which people obviously seem to think just is autism, but it is not. It is just something that goes along with it frequently, is a Kind of inability to use your muscles the way you want to. And basically, all Autistic people have this to some extent. And the way I have it is I am constantly like running my shoulder into a door jam as I walk through it because I don't really understand how wide my body is and how to not run into a door for some reason. I'm constantly like throwing my phone out of my hand because I'm just gesturing wildly and not like gripping it tightly enough. So for me, that's, you know, it's a pretty light version. But the exact same thing, when it affects somebody's mouth and tongue, the muscles that are required to form words, (laughs) then they cannot form words. So the exact same thing I experience is what is causing other people to not speak. And then apraxia is yet another condition where basically the wires are just crossed from what they want to say or what they want to do to what their body actually does. So they might want to say the word apple, but they're going to say the word door. They don't know why. They want to turn left, their body turns right. They don't know why. It has absolutely nothing to do with them not understanding which way is left and right, or what? What is an apple and what is a door? It is literally just what they think does not connect to what their body does, and that has been erased in our cultural understanding of autism. Why? Why are we made to think that just being non-speaking is autism? Is part of it? It's severe, you know. <laughs> In some way, it's just if you're more autistic, then you don't talk. When there is actually an explanation, a physiological explanation that we ignore. And then there's all this research money that goes into autism treatments. Is there billions of dollars of research money into apraxia treatments? No. Why? Because we want autistic people to act normal, but we don't give a shit if they can Communicate express themselves that is what I mean when we have been made to believe that something is just a factual reality when really there's an incredible amount of bias built in so then I start looking into these symptoms, these uh, developmental delays, everything you know on the CDC website, Wikipedia, and I started realizing none of this makes sense. none of this holds up to any critical or scientific scrutiny whatsoever. A developmental milestone. How do you know how quickly an autistic kid is supposed to develop? When you say, oh, they start talking late. What is late? Maybe you're just comparing apples and oranges. Over and over again, I started to see that the entire picture of what autism is, only made sense from one perspective, it only made sense from the perspective of a neurotypical person. It didn't exist in any kind of objective sense. And if it only exists from the perspective of one kind of person, it's not real. It's not, it can't be a symptom of disorder that somebody does not like to make eye contact because it is not an objective truth that making eye contact is how people communicate, that it's uh, respectful, that shows you're paying attention. Nope, that is just a cultural belief from one specific group. So (laughs) there's no rational basis to call that a symptom of a disorder. It's purely one kind of person looking at the differences in a different kind of person and saying, I don't like these things because they're not like me, they're bad. And we've made that a disorder. So how do we get to this place where basically everybody believes something that is so ridiculous and counterfactual? Well, it wasn't an accident. (laughs) Not by a fucking long shot. It was a scam. So. Autism, as uh, it is currently seen and talked about, has only really been in the public eye for a few decades, and it really became a controversial thing with the vaccines cause autism claim. And when I started looking into that claim and the connection between the anti-vax movement and the mainstream medical and cultural perception of autism, I saw that this was invented for m- money. So the uh, the author of the f- original study, who m- made it, I mean, he just like fucked with his data and misrepresented it, so that it could show oh look vaccines cause autism he was paid $665,000 to do that study with that result by a group of lawyers because they wanted to sue vaccine manufacturers because it's very hard to sue vaccine manufacturers they're protected from a lot of things But there are always groups of lawyers who want to sue everybody possible to get whatever kind of money they can. And this was just a a pot of gold, you know, (laughs) that nobody had been able to get into. So they paid this guy to make this up. It is fairly quickly debunked. The guy's license is taken away. And yet, the idea never goes away. Why? Because it is turned into a multi-billion dollar industry. I really hope I'm not just like loudly heffing and peffing right into this mic. Because um, I made a, a little recording area for myself where I'm just standing up. But that means I'm also kind of inevitably fidgeting and pacing around as I'm talking. So I hope I'm not doing that. But if I am, I guess this is an apology. And a continuation. So, Autism Speaks is the number one quote-unquote charity surrounding autism, autistic people. This is the one most people know of. It's the one where, like, if there's going to be a fundraiser for something, you know, autism-related, it's usually for Autism Speaks. People just assume this is, like, you know, the... American Heart Association, or whatever, right? They, make, they raise money for hearts. It's good, right? I never thought twice about this. I mean, I don't know that I ever thought about it at all. But uh, it turns out almost all autistic people, myself now very much included, view Autism Speaks as a hate group, a group that really is dedicated to the genocide of autistic people. And, you know, none of those other health-based charities are doing that. The American Cancer Association isn't trying to kill off all the cancer patients. But, (laughs) essentially, that is what these big charities do. Because their thing is to, well, originally cure autism. Now they don't tend to say cure anymore. But uh, they still essentially want that. And they're... (laughs) There is no such thing. There cannot be such a thing. There is not a version of my brain that exists that is not autistic. Like if you don't want autistic people, then I just have to like not be alive. <laughs> like there's no way to make us not autistic and we very much would not want that. And I think it is extremely sus. And part of the overall conspiracy that um, we have been made into something that should be eradicated in the first place. Autism has been turned into a boogeyman. It is something people are terrified of. Uh, It's like the worst thing that can happen to a family. But what does it actually mean? It means your kid is weird. That's what people are so terrified of is my kid will be weird, and he won't play with other kids the right way, and he won't, you know, say, mommy, I love you so much, and that's why I had a kid, just to fill the hole in my heart. But it was in the best interest of the anti-vax movement to make autism seem like the worst possible thing that could ever happen, because they're making money off this, and they're getting political power off of this. Anti-vax ideology became a uniting thing that like republicans could all kind of agree on like abortion because there's a lot of stuff they don't agree on but you know a big difference between republicans and democrats is republicans are totally happy to find one thing that they can all hit together and they'll just ignore all the stuff that they disagree on and democrats um Will find the one thing that they disagree on and burn each other's houses down. Like, gosh, I mean, not that I'm a Democrat, I'm not really anything, but I can't say I'm different, you know. I don't like Democrats either, even though, well, I'm definitely not a Republican anyway. <laughs> so, Autism Speaks is the main charity. It is started uh, with twenty-five million dollars. From its billionaire, Bernie Marcus, who is a, a super right wing person um, and very ideologically driven. And so Autism Speaks from the first moment was intended to be a political tool and a money making venture. It was absolutely never about. Helping autistic people. But Autism Speaks became the voice of what autism is. And, you know, I mean, they're the ones I assume (laughs) invented this autism awareness thing in the first place. And even people who are vehemently opposed to anti vax ideology eat it up because we don't know. I didn't know that. (laughs) Because like, I never liked anti-vaxxers, um, which is kind of funny because I had a bad reaction <laughs> to a vaccine a year ago. I had to go, oh, well, I guess on occasion that happens. But um, I definitely always despised the, oh, I had a good normal kid and then he got a vaccine and now he's gone. And like, this one sucks, basically. I wish I had my old kid back. I hate those people. Um, and yet, I believed their narrative about what autism was, because I was a fool who didn't know better, and most of us are. Autism Speaks spends an unbelievable amount of money creating these beliefs in our heads. You know, we all want to think that we think for ourselves that uh, you you can't buy our minds, that we're not just, you know, eating up propaganda dished out to us and uncritically forming our beliefs. But like, there are just too many things in the world to even know about or have beliefs about. So yeah, you are going to have things in your mind that you haven't gotten around to thinking about critically yet. And you are going to have some horrifying unexamined beliefs. Everybody does. Autism Speaks, their budget, uh, 3% goes to family services, 3% goes to, in some way, supposedly helping autistic people or their families, 39% of their budget goes to, quote unquote, awareness and lobbying, 24% goes to fundraising, 32% goes to research. Now, what you don't know yet, may, probably, is that this research, awareness and lobbying, fundraising, this is all the same thing. <laughs> They create research to say what they wanted to say so that uh, it will prove the efficacy of the methods that they espouse that they make money off of. And that is how ABA, um, I think that's Applied Behavioral Analysis, (laughs) how that became the number one and often only therapy, heavy quotes on that, um, available for autistic kids. Um, ABA is the only therapy that is covered by insurance in all 50 states in the United States for autism. In many places, there are requirements to put your autistic kid In ABA. Like, if you are a foster parent in some states, you have to put your kid in ABA. ABA is, first of all, the research that supposedly backs up the efficacy of ABA is done by the same people who run these ABA therapy companies. They're literally just saying, oh, yeah, I did some research and it says, That my company is awesome and you should have to use it. Yep, that's the science. And we're believing that. That just uncritically becomes the scientific consensus. And all of this is paid for by an intense amount of lobbying money. I mean, that's why this therapy is uh, the only one covered by insurance in all 50 states is because of an immense amount of lobbying money. So what is ABA? It is conversion therapy. It is literally conversion therapy. Like the same person, Ivar Lovas, invented conversion therapy for gay kids and autistic kids. And then for autistic kids, it ended up being called ABA. It's the same thing. It's dog training using both (laughs) rewards and punishments to get kids to act the way you want them to act. And then you pretend that they actually changed. And so for autistic kids, this will be things like, uh, you know, they won't get this their snack that they uh, want until they make eye contact with somebody. Um, and it doesn't matter why they don't want to make eye contact. It doesn't matter if it is physically painful for them to make eye contact. It doesn't matter that there is no objective rule That making eye contact means anything, or is important at all. But once this kid is so fucking hungry, that he will suffer through making eye contact so he can get a snack. They're like, wow, you know, we're fixing him. Look, he did it. So all this research that Autism Speaks is spending millions and millions of dollars on, it's research into these programs, proving that they work, But how can you prove that 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 isn't a thing? You aren't changing someone. You're just getting them to act different. And there's never been any proof that they need changing. Why is it so important that somebody doesn't move, you know, flap their hands back and forth while they talk to you? Why is that important? why does that need billions of dollars to be changed? It doesn't. Um, By the way, remember how I originally thought that, uh, oh, well, I'm fine making eye contact, so that's a way I'm not like autistic people. It turns out I actually feel eye contact the way autistic people do, not neurotypical people, because for neurotypical people, eye contact is not like this strong physical feeling it's just a it's a cultural sign it means something it means i'm listening to you i respect you whatever and for autistic people it is a physical feeling and so for a lot of autistic people who do not like to make eye contact they don't like it because it's physically painful it feels like the other person is like boring their eyes into their soul and I just am a weirdo because <laughs> I always feel like I'm the one boring my eyes into the other person's soul, and I like that. But yeah, it is. It's definitely it is an intense feeling for sure. I just am a creep. So we've all been made to believe that this th- <laughs> this difference that exists between people is actually a disorder. And there's this multi-billion dollar therapy industry um, that revolves around attempting to change kids to act differently. And we think that that um, has any merit. But well, I mean, let's look into the social aspect. So autistic people have, you know, problems with social skills, right? Well, it turns out that's not fucking true either. Because if that were true, then I would be unable to pick up on, you know, the, the subtext and the feelings and stuff of neurotypical people. But they would interpret me just fine. But that is not the case whatsoever. If it were true that autistic people had a hard time with social skills then we would have a hard time socializing with each other as well. This is also not true. Research, only very recently has any research into autism actually been done by autistic people Uh, forever. We were just treated like monkeys who couldn't possibly um, know anything about ourselves. But luckily, uh, you know, with the internet and stuff, (laughs) some people have managed to get some stuff out there. And um, there is an autistic researcher named Damian Milton who has uh, coined the double empathy problem. And this establishes that it's not that autistic people have any problem uh, communicating with neurotypical people, it's that uh, it's both ways. Neurotypical people don't know how to communicate with autistic people either. And neurotypical people communicate better with each other, and autistic people communicate better with each other. Then in these uh, like empathy studies, because so this is another thing. Do autistic people lack empathy? This is a common belief. This also... (laughs) Makes no sense when you start looking into it because um, empathy is both something that is felt and something that is performed. And autistic people do not lack empathy that is felt, but neurotypical people frequently want empathy that is performed. And autistic people would say that that's not real. That actually isn't empathy. But that is what feels like it for neurotypicals. And so they do it right for each other. And autistic people, we empathize correctly for each other, but uh, we don't do it right for neurotypicals and they do not do it right for us. So the research shows that instead of one kind of person having a, a problem, these are just two separate communication styles. It's like people speaking different languages. And yet we have decided that one of those is wrong and should be trained out of view with like kibbles and sensory overload. Speaking of sensory overload, let's look into that. So, uh, you know, a common perception of autistic people is this like uh, wearing headphones, everything's too loud, you know, they'll maybe yell and cry if everything gets too loud or something. Well, that is true of anyone. Anyone will break down. If they are exposed to uh, sounds or sights or whatever that are too intense for them, it is literally a way that um, the U.S. government has tortured people. When the Bush administration tortured detainees in Guantanamo and Abu Ghraib in the Iraq War, they did so by using sensory overstimulation, bright lights loud music uh, over and over again to just melt people's fucking brains because that, it breaks down a human being. It breaks down any human being. But autistic people just have a different gauge of what is too loud or what is too bright. And who is to say that one of those is correct? Your dog has more sensitive hearing than you. You can't bring him to a concert. Is he flawed? No. If anything, if you needed to bring him to a concert, you'd put little headphones on him and you'd think he looked adorable. But if I wear headphones at a concert because it's too loud for me, then I have sensory processing disorder? This does not make sense. The entire quote-unquote scientific field studying autism Is not scientific whatsoever. It doesn't make any sense. It is only based in the bias of one kind of person. And yet, we think that science is real science. That's logical. That's factual. But science is built off of the biases of one little group of people. And it is incredibly unexamined. Every single thing that, uh, is part of like the medical understanding of autism has another explanation to me an extremely obvious explanation but that's not ever even explored and we accept this as science. One of the supposed symptoms of autism is repetitive and restrictive interests and one way this is seen is that kids play with their toys wrong. Um, If a kid um, just lines up the Legos in according to color, instead of turning them into a car. Apparently that is a restrictive or repetitive interest. I was that kid. Um, My brother liked to play Legos. I wanted to play Legos with him. I just took all of the yellow Legos and made them into a big tower. And I did that every single time we played Legos. And I liked that. If every time you play Legos, you make it into a car isn't that also a restrictive and repetitive interest? Every single thing that is said about autistic people could be said about neurotypical people if we wanted. You know, um, I mean, in fact, if I'm just being honest, I think neurotypical people tend to have restrictive and repetitive interests. They just like want to go to the bar, talk about people they know. It's very boring. Like. Don't you have any cool interests? Don't you have some facts about the Middle Ages to tell me or something? But no. Because we just decided that if you, like, know a lot of facts about the Middle Ages, that means your brain is bad. But if you just tell the same story about, you know, your football game in high school, that's good, and we should want it to be like that. I know I'm really stressing these points, but I'm stressing it because I want you to think about if you believed in this, you know, mainstream concept of autism up until this podcast. Is't that ridiculous? Can't you, like, see now how unbelievable it is that you accepted that, you just bought that uncritically? I did. It doesn't make any sense. It isn't based in anything. It's so silly when we actually look at it, and yet we believe it. You know, getting back to the name of this podcast, rethinking reality. When you realize that the reality that has been presented to you is just from one biased perspective, well, then that's not fucking reality. How many other things do we think are real that are actually? Just opinions from one perspective that have been codified into systems. How many disorders, diseases, do we think are just real? They are medical facts that have actually been fucking made up. You you think that uh, if something is in a medical textbook, if it has a diagnosis, it has symptoms, that's real, right? The DSM, that is the uh, Diagnostic Statistical Manual... For mental health and psychological issues. And um, so a lot of people, even a lot or maybe most autistic people, um, believe that the DSM is in some way, you know, the authority on what counts as autism, what autism is. And yet, when you find out how the uh, diagnostic criteria were decided on, it is so unscientific. It's weird. So uh, for the DSM-5, there was a four-member panel, and um, for the first time, an actual group of autistic people, not autism speaks, you know, non-autistic people claiming to speak for autistic people, but actual autistic people were allowed to, like, submit some comments and basically attempt to have some kind of influence on uh, what ended up being used as, you know, the description of our brains. And um, th- this group wrote up a description of their experience. And one member of the four-member committee that got to decide what an autistic person is who can get diagnosed with this, this guy wanted to make the diagnostic criteria more strict because he just believed that a lot of people were trying to get diagnosed as autistic because they were attempting to escape marital problems or problems at work. He just believed this. Why? I don't know. Do you know? No, because it doesn't make sense. But he had one fourth of the fucking votes. And so part of our conception of what autism is and who can get diagnosed with it is based in just one dude who thinks people fake autism because like their marriages are bad. I I don't I can't even wrap my head around it, but that definitely isn't fucking science. And yet, in our society we are taught this is the authority. This is who gets to have an opinion on this. Cuz so I am not medically diagnosed as autistic. I don't want to be. I have not pursued it. I think If I was a little kid now, I probably would not have escaped it. But luckily, they weren't really looking when I was a kid. Um, Not because it wasn't pretty clear. But, you know, they were just like, oh, you're weird. I got to just be weird, and I'm glad. And I I don't have any respect for somebody else's ability to tell me what my brain is. They can't. I'm not going to pretend they can. Why? The only real reason to get a medical diagnosis is if you need the accommodations. And I don't. So I have no reason to. And yet, many, many, many people would be furious at me, have been furious at me, for having the gall to just say I'm autistic when I haven't paid $5,000 to let some 50-year-old doctor, you know, look over some checklist and see if I make eye contact when I talk to him or not. Because that's the authority. The guy who has to go off of the checklist based off of the committee where one guy believes that people fake autism to get out of their bad marriages. That is the authority. That's real. My understanding of my own brain, that's not real. That doesn't count. I cannot say what I know to be true about my own brain unless some doctor has agreed. Many people. I mean, I've got like, I've been severely like, harassed about this. Like, lost a lot of friends. And it's ridiculous, because overwhelmingly, autistic people support self-diagnosis slash self-identification. I don't like to say diagnosis, because, well, as I think I've made it pretty clear, this isn't a disease. So, no, I'm not diagnosing myself with anything. I just know how my brain works. And I know how it doesn't work. So fundamentally, this entire concept of autism as a disorder is just based on looking at one thing and judging it for not being a different thing. If you take a cat and compare its developmental milestones and behaviors to a bunch of dogs, then yeah, it's not going to be good at being a dog because it's not a dog, it's cat. And because it's been made into this disorder and it has been Turned into this strange, twisted, counterfactual stereotype, then we can get away with saying all oh, like 1% to 2% of the population is autistic. Of course, that's not true. Of course, that's not true. Because the vast majority of people are not being diagnosed because they don't fit this stereotype. I know so many people who, to me, are very obviously autistic. To every other autistic person I know, we are all obviously autistic, who are not diagnosed, and who are not living in accordance with uh, these stereotypes people believe in. Like, autistic people are everywhere, (laughs) doing every job, doing everything in life, and not every autistic person can do everything. Like, nobody can. Like, I personally... Absolutely could not have an office job, but a lot of autistic people do. Like, I don't think I'd be cut out to be a parent, but lots of autistic people are parents. That's where all those autistic kids come from. So we also have to factor this into our reconception of reality that this idea that like 98% of people are neurotypical is not true. Lots and lots of people are autistic and do not know it. You might be. Maybe you've been thinking about it. Maybe you're thinking about it a lot. If you're thinking about it enough, well, that's a pretty good sign in itself because neurotypical people really don't fucking ask themselves if they're autistic. They don't. But a whole lot of autistic people know secretly, deep down, that they are and will never admit it, never say it because it is so deeply stigmatized. So, why are we so focused on demonizing this group of people? On changing them, limiting their ability to be themselves. Because, like, even me, I am absolutely limited in this society by me being autistic. Like, there are a lot of things that, um, like, doors that aren't open to me. Because even if people don't know to say, you know, oh, she is autistic. They just know that there's things about me that rub them the wrong way, you know that I I didn't do it the right way because the it's not objectively the right way and the way that I think is the right way makes sense to me and their way doesn't so why are we kept in the margins of society why is it so important to the powers that be to spend billions of dollars keeping us in this stigma keeping us from participating fully in public life, keeping us from being able to be truly a part of the society. Because the reason why we have trouble in the society is because it wasn't built for us. Like, if uh, a fluorescent light in your office building is too bright for you, it's because a neurotypical person decided how bright it's supposed to be. If an autistic person built that building, they would make the light a different brightness which would be also equally objectively correct. So if we are part of society, how come society does not reflect us? Why is it so important to make it seem like the way we think and communicate and act is wrong? Well, this is where we can get into some more conspiracy shit. I think it is because we represent a threat to this system, to this hierarchy, because we don't believe in this hierarchy. It doesn't mean anything to us. You know, the... Idea that the right way to do life is, you know, you follow these steps by this age and then you're better. And, you know, uh, a cop is an authority, so you have to prostrate yourself in front of them and that that means something. No, it only means something because I don't want to go to jail. It doesn't mean something because they fundamentally deserve to have that power over me. Fuck no. But a system that is built on this power does not want. People in it who don't believe in that because that exposes that this system is not real. This hierarchy is not real. People who are rich, they're not rich because they're better, they're rich because, you know, their grandparents were. <laughs> Just because somebody has authority over you doesn't mean they deserve authority over you. But neurotypical people, they believe in these hierarchies and these roles. You know, you can't talk back. To your mom when you're a kid, because that's how it is. But autistic kids don't think that way. You know my mom is a person, I'm a person. <laughs> I needed respect, explanations. If she wanted me to do something, she had to tell me why. Luckily I have a cool mom, so she did. But that's a threat. That's a threat to the power system. So now we're in autism awareness month month, which is being rebranded Autism Acceptance Month. Acceptance. Like that's better? Acceptance? I accept that I don't, you know, have a million dollars, but I don't like it. I'd rather have a million dollars. Somebody accepting me, I don't want that. That still also confers the right to decide who is accepted and who's not onto those neurotypical people as if they own society. They don't. I also am part of society. You don't get to decide to accept me or not. So nobody learns anything during Autism Awareness Substance Month. But we do see a lot of uh, recitals of these rituals where people just get, like, look-I'm-a-good-person points by saying some really condescending, patronizing shit. (laughs) But, like, everyone's special. Be kind. Or like, oh yes, my autistic brother, I love him so much, he's severely, profoundly autistic, he can't do anything, look, he needs me so much, I've never attempted to find out any of his actual thoughts and feelings, he's non-speaking, and we've never given him any alternate communication system, so we just pretend he has no thoughts in his fucking head, isn't that cute? If anything, Autism Acceptance Month just becomes a flex of the ruling class, the ruling group, to show we are still their pets. (laughs) They still get to decide how we are seen, what happens to us. And we have to be cute, sweet, childlike, or at least pitiful, which is why uh, people frequently get mad. Even just (laughs) for me, Saying that I am autistic because I am not the kind of autistic they want me to be. I'm not childish and adorable. I'm saying what's in my head. They can't just imagine whatever they want in there instead. They want us to be pets, toys. They don't want us to be people. They don't even want you to know what you are. And this idea that you are neurotypical unless otherwise diagnosed is just. <laughs> a way to silence people. It's erasure. Because if you are autistic, you are different. You are different in ways I think are great. There's nothing better about being neurotypical. And if we actually were able to take part in society to the extent we're supposed to, if society was shaped around us just as much as it's shaped around neurotypical people, I believe this society would be better. This would be a better place to live for all of us. But it would have less concentrated power and wealth. So that can't happen. And that's why the conspiracy continues. I hope that some of this was new or thought provoking. I hope that somebody out there is starting to rethink their own neurotype. And yeah, you're allowed to just think through it for yourself. (laughs) You don't have to get a doctor to tell you anything. You are allowed to know your own mind. I will be back soon. And uh, I think maybe in the next episode I'm going to talk about mm, fungi and biofilms and how they affect our brains and put thoughts into our heads. You know, get a little more into a classic topic for the podcast. I would love to hear from you guys. As always, feel free to email me at Apothecary at gmail.com or you can find me at Erica Heidewald on Twitter or TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening, supporting this podcast. Um, please do subscribe, um, like it, leave a review, share it with other people, you know, whatever you feel inspired to do. Um, and I guess now that I'm, you know, using this website to edit out all my long pauses, it cost me like $4 to make each episode. So, you know, if you want to support me, you can subscribe <laughs> to my Patreon, Patreon dot com slash Erica Heidewald. And um, also, if you want uh, a topic, a certain topic uh, on this podcast, let me know. And Unless it's boring. I'll talk about it. Fuck Autism Speaks and the idea of a cure for autism. A cure for autism will be genocide. And obviously, fuck genocide. All right, have a good one. Goodbye.